Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Bay Area, it's time for Bay Area Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Bay Area Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Leah Davis Coaching, inspiring women of color to claim their wealth legacy. Today on Bay Area Business Radio, we have Nikki Beasley with Richmond Neighborhood Housing Services. Welcome, Nikki. Good afternoon, Lee. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Richmond Neighborhood Housing Services. Well, Richmond Neighborhood Housing Services that is in Richmond, California, was established back in 1981. Actually, we are celebrating our 40th year anniversary. Um, It was started by local residents that were addressing redlining issues and the city of Richmond at the time. And for those that don't know, um, redlining was a discriminatory practice and continues to exist, but in different forms of uh, people of color, Black people specifically, being unable to purchase homes in certain areas. And through that work, the organization has become an affordable housing organization where we provide housing to low to moderate income families through our scattered site property management, which means that we own a number of single family homes and multifamily units in both the city of Richmond and Oakland. We are a HUD approved counseling agency advocating for home ownership because uh, we say if you are paying rent in the Bay Area, you definitely need to ex- consider and explore ownership, but we also help through our HUD certification help families who may be at risk of losing their home uh, through foreclosure mitigation. We're also infield developers developing properties, um, which we say protecting the inventory for first time home buyers and working on a project currently in West Oakland, um, which is going to be a 10 unit single family uh, project set aside for first time home buyers. We do quite a bit in advocacy as it relates to consumer affairs, holding banks accountable through the Community Reinvestment Act that all banks should be adhering to for their regulatory agreements. And then we also work on behalf of landlords and tenants. So we do quite a bit under the umbrella of Richmond Neighborhood Housing Services. Now, can you educate our listeners a little bit about um, kind of the term affordable housing? Because to me, uh, there's some confusion around it because some neighborhoods may start out affordable, but then as they get more popular, then there's more demand for the homes there and then they become less affordable. So how do you kind of keep a neighborhood affordable? You know, it's a great question and it uh, means different things to different people. So Typically, from a municipality or state level, they are looking at the amount of money someone is paying toward their housing expense, and they say, they meaning the state may say, if you're spending more than 30% of your income towards your housing costs, you are housing, housing burden. So affordability would mean that your housing costs should be less than 30% of your income. There are other uh, housing practitioners from a funding and lending source that will use an AMI, area median income, to determine what affordability is based on one's income. There's also another strategy that as long as the unit is affordable, it may not be affordable to the person who's renting. And what that means, as long as it's below market, so if you know, the average rent in an area is 
$3,000 and a unit comes up for $2,300, then that means that unit is affordable because it is below the market rate. Um, so it really depends on what lens and angle one is looking at to create a description for affordable, um, but it does you know, look different based on who's trying to make that determination. And then the phrase housing is creates some confusion as well, because is this a house that a person owns so that in some ways they want it to be affordable when they buy it, but they want it to be worth more when they sell it so they have that equity in the home? Yes. So from a lending perspective, affordable tends to mean that one cannot exceed 46%. Um, which is on the high end, but typically about 43% of one's income that cannot uh, go toward, cannot be more than what the housing costs, which would, in this case would be their mortgage, which is their principal, their interest, their taxes, and insurance, along with their consumer debt. So from a lending perspective, it's about 43%, which would deem the house affordable for them to own. And when you talk about equity, it's always you buy low and sell high. And the difference between what you purchase to where you can sell it, that is where then the equity conversation comes in. And are those opportunities available to people who um, who work with your organization? Absolutely. So um, part of our work being in the HUD um, certification space is we provide the pre-purchase workshops. So Typically, as a first-time home buyer, you will be looking at programs that community uh, lending institutions provide that says you don't need 20% down or a 700 credit score. Typically, that individual is looking at 3 to 3.5%. Three the credit score can be anywhere between 620, 640. And so we assist in educating individuals and many of these community lending programs require that as a first time home buyer, you get the education and being a HUD approved counseling agency allows us to provide these courses that opens up those opportunities so that individuals don't have to come in with a significant down payment or high credit scores, which we tend to know to be most people's barriers in getting into home ownership. And then there's also another you know, other classes, subsidies, as we know, down payment assistance, that also requires that many go through an education program like a HUD-approved counseling agency. Now, when folks go through programs like that and get their home and then build the equity and build wealth, um, it could really have a, a tremendous impact on not only themselves individually, but their family and the trajectory of their wealth as they, you know, kind of um, age. Exactly. You know, when you look at in these topics and conversations have become quite relevant in the last couple of years, as we've seen all the injustices, but, you know, we talk about systematic racism. I mentioned early in the conversation about redlining. There has been institutional obstacles that really have eliminated one's opportunity to get into ownership as we consider the American dream to be. And what has happened is it has stripped wealth from communities. It has eliminated people to create legacy. Um, you know, when we look at our peers, me being an African-American woman, I can be making $100,000, 
but Jane, who's not a person of color making the same $100,000, it's just going to look and feel different because Jane's family was able to purchase a home, build the equity. So when Jane got ready to get married, go to college, buy a home, that family was able to pull out that equity to help support Jane through that process. For me, not having, you know, that same resource, had to get loans for college, had to take loans to get married, had to come into a property with less than a significant down payment, which takes longer for me to build equity. So with these obstacles being in play, it really does eliminate individuals that weren't set up to take the same advantages of Jane to be able to actually be productive in this thing called the economy. So the work that you're doing must be very rewarding. It is. I have to say I'm a retired banker of about 25 years. I came on board to this organization in 2016. I said I've learned more about banking than I ever did as a banker. And it was important for us to have some tangible results, not to just be busy, 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 but to be able to say because of our work, we were able to you know, see some tangible successes And we have since um, incorporating what we call our lender ready program under our educational series have gotten over 150 first time home buyers into new homes and it really has been a dedicated effort, not just to provide the education but to get them across the finish line. And then having come from banking. you know, even in the best of circumstances, that's not an easy task to get the loans and get approved and get all that stuff done. So it must be just tremendously uh, rewarding. And the the joy that you're giving to these folks to get their first home is life changing. It's it's amazing story. Yeah. And that's what we hear. You know, people, it opens up a whole new world of possibility, things that one, many didn't expect that they could do. Uh, we created our changing the narrative of home ownership when I started, because we needed to educate people, you did need a 700 credit score, 20% down, because many people don't realize the subsidy and support one can receive. So it really is seeing, you know, some light bulbs come on that this is a possibility and it is a tangible thing that they can see. Right. It's a dream that can come true. Yes, exactly. So now um, as an executive director, your day-to-day life is a lot different, I would imagine, than it was previously. So how has this kind of changed you as a person? I think it has made me even more committed to the mission and vision. I was very clear that I was on what I considered the sunset of my career. So it was all about me creating legacy, being able to say when I did step away from the organization that there was something I could say I was a part of making that happen. And again, just with this social climate and again, being a Black woman, becoming even more passionate about uh, making the changes that we want to see. I mean, then, you know, in this whole Zoom world, we have figured out how to maximize every minute of every day. So when I first started, people would always say, Nikki, how do you show up everywhere? How are you everywhere? And I was like, you know what? I thought I was busy prior pandemic, but I've been the most busy now. So um, yes, there's a lot going on. Again, the climate has stimulated a lot more conversation, has addressed a lot more concern. So it makes the days pretty full, but very rewarding. So now um, what is kind of the biggest changes you've seen in your organization since you've come aboard? Um, I think that uh, this year, 2021, really has shown the fruits of the labor Um, It has demonstrated 
uh, to my hero, Shiro, Shirley Chisholm, that if there is not a, a chair at the table, you bring your own chair, uh, meaning that I was showing up at every meeting, anything and everything that looked like housing in my first couple of years, I was there, um, knowing not a lot about housing when I joined. Um, and now we have um, created some legacy programs where we're working with the city of Oakland to address an uh, equity program to assist Black homeowners in being able to build accessory dwelling units, um, which we see to be a um, tool to help individuals create wealth by having an extra unit that they could possibly rent or support in this quote unquote affordable housing crisis by having affordable units. We've also created our emerging developers program, which really was my brainchild wanting to eliminate all of the obstacles as developers of color that we find. And there's a whole nother system of challenges that um, we find and that we face in trying to get new units online. We've also, as I mentioned earlier, found a way to get um, affordable units for first time home buyers on the market. And all of that was because just showing up learning, leveraging what I had learned in banking to leverage networks, be a connector and you know a resource really has paid off. So from where we started in 2016 and where we're going is a completely different organization. Now, can we educate the listener a little bit about, say they're interested in, in some of your programs or learning more about what you got going on, what is kind of the easiest way they can connect and, and learn? So the best thing to do, we are um, working on our social media platform. So you can find us on Facebook, Richmond Neighborhood Housing Services. Always visiting our website, richmondnhs.org. Um, has all of our programs. We also have a Money Matters series, which we record. And you can find us on YouTube with a lot of significant good financial information that we find community doesn't tend to get access to. We're also on LinkedIn. So, you know, check out the social media platforms, visit our website to sh that shares all of what we're doing and how to best engage with us. Now, is there stuff that they can be doing individually to be prepared to get the most out of that interaction with you? I would say this, if home ownership is of interest, um, definitely participate in the education courses, because what we always say is you don't know what you don't know. Understand what you're saying yes to versus to what you're saying no to. And oftentimes when people go through this process, they tend to be better prepared than what they think, because again, they don't understand all of the resources. So if ownership is a remote thought or possibility, start with getting educated and understanding again, where they sit in that. Um, outside of ownership, we understand that credit cash flow is important in any conversation. So we also provide counseling and consultant services to individuals who just want to get their money right, just need to, you know, stay accountable to some of the behaviors that they may need to shift and change. And all these services don't cost anything um, to participate. So I would say we will meet an individual where they are, work on a strategy and plan to get them to where they're looking to go. So anything related to housing, uh, any question, any challenge, any dream, they can contact somebody on your team and, and you might be able to help them? 
Yes, and one thing I failed to mention, which I think is also important, um, for the listeners that are here in the Bay Area, we are also part of the Housing is Key Network. So we also know that many have been impacted because of the pandemic and may be at risk of losing housing, knowing that the moratorium of for um, not only foreclosure, but eviction will be lifting possibly the end of June, if not extended, we are also a resource if people are having hardships and paying their rent, want to make sure that they're leveraging all resources so that they're not evicted. We also can be a resource there as well. Now, you mentioned that uh, a lot, most, uh, if not all of your services don't cost the individual. How do, how do you get your funding? Um, it's multi-funded. Uh, so we have foundational grants, um, bank grants. We have gotten, you know, different different municipality funding to support our work in the, you know, rehabilitation of the properties we own. So it just really kind of depends on the source of programming. However, what the, you know, what we haven't been able to figure out and getting very aggressive in trying to get a solution is this Filbert Promise project that I mentioned before. In development, you always have gap financing, meaning the cost of the project, what we can secure in construction, but we're about $4.6 million shy because we're committed to keeping these properties affordable. And for those of you who may not know, whether you're building affordable units or at market units, it still costs the same to build. So to guarantee that individuals will be able to afford these homes, we need to find $4.6 million. And we're looking to do, to do that in a capital campaign, which ideally will be philanthropy. You know, people will fall in love with the project, fall in love with our idea or mission and just give so that we don't have any unnecessary debt that we would have to pass on to the new homeowner. So there are many ways that people can support us on our website, you know, as any nonprofit would, there's a donate button, um, but it really just kind of depends on the program and the need. So now um, it sounds like you're just attacking this from multiple fronts. Uh, Is there anything that is more pressing than anything else? Is there anything we could be doing to help you right now? I would say um, for those that are following the housing conversation, following the anticipated exposure to moratoriums being lifted, there's a lot of conversation on the uh, state level, getting nonprofits like ourselves in position to possibly acquire properties that may be going into default, whether it's a homeowner or a landlord who is, you know, releasing property because they weren't able to maintain the mortgage because um, renters weren't able to pay, trying to make sure that we don't run into another 0809 crisis where we have institutional investors you know, swooping up properties. So um, it, depending on where your listeners see their place, either advocating that not only will nonprofits like ourselves be in position to acquire, which typically would be considered the first right uh, to purchase if these distressed properties go on the market, but we need the capital and resources to be able to do that. So advocating with city council, state government to understand, to say that we, yes, we understand the value of nonprofits who are mission driven to be in position to acquire these properties so that we again, don't fall into what we did in 08, 09, but also understand 
where will those funding sources be, um, as well as production. Um, home ownership does not tend to be a point of conversation when addressing affordable housing, but for those that do agree that it is a wealth building tool when targeted to communities that don't tend to have that access, helping projects like that get built is also um, an immediate concern. Well, thank you so much for fighting the good fight here. Um, your efforts are noted and most appreciated. Well, I appreciate you, uh, Lee, and thank you for the opportunity to share the work that we do. Now, the website, uh, once again, for folks who uh, want to connect with you. Sure. It's Richmond, N is in Nancy, H is in Harry, S is in Sam, richmondnhs.org. All right, Nikki, thank you again for sharing your story today. Thank you, Lee. Have a great day. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Bay Area Business Radio. Mm-hmm.